Welcome. This is episode 13 of The Option. I am Jason DeBeers. I got guest um, tech guy, that's Spencer Isley, son of Uncle Drew, Dr. Drew Isley. And you asked, you received, okay? People wanted Jason Olive. Say what's up, Jason Olive. Hey, what's up, people? Me and I, me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. <laughs> what's up, J.O.? Hey, how you doing, man? Well, me, I'm, I might be a little all over the place on subject matter, so we can, since it's a volleyball podcast, and I'm, you know, I'm, I go in and out, let's start with volleyball a little bit. Um, I re, um, we had a, a, whole, a whole bunch of, a little healthy debate about the NCAA rule change, which I think we're kind of on the same page with um, oh, pay, the, pay for play. Well, not really pay for play, right? It's, right. it's, no, it's, it's not. right it's a like, likeness. It's a likeness, yeah. Right and likeness, yeah. Well, the act is yeah. called pay for play, yeah. but it's not what it means. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, a lot of people don't know how long that fight's been going on. I mean, we, I think I, I founded the Black Student Union in 1994 at University of Hawaii based on, um, you know, being able to uh, make money off of what you do. Yeah. Uh, as same, same way as you would um, if you were, well, for me personally, you know, I experienced it because I was making money on my likeness and I went through those legal battles with the NCA in order to do it. Um, and then I dropped my sports scholarship, right? I dropped my sports scholarship and I took an English scholarship because I wanted the freedom that that would give me. And yeah. I also wanted to free money up to get a couple uh, pretty decent Israel guys, Israeli guys, which worked out. Uh, and, uh, like a, but, like a charm. And, but, but, you know, all of a sudden you're really aware, like, wait a minute, I could write a book right now and I'm on a full, full English scholarship and I'm not making the school any money. Right. So why can I do that? Why, why can I take this English scholarship, go write a book? Or I was, I was pu publishing actually poetry at the time and, uh, you know, winning little awards, maybe it was a hundred bucks or whatever, but still you're making money. Meanwhile, we had a guy, uh, before I went to UH right, was probably the best team that UH had ever had with Allen Allen and uh, yeah, those guys. Simone, dude, yeah. Right, and, and uh, they got, they, they got uh, kicked out of, of the tournament, probably, you know, definitely one of the top, top two teams in the NCAA that year because a guy took 50 bucks in a beach room. I think it was like 50 bucks in prizes, actually. I don't even think it was money. Right. right? So their whole careers go down the drain for that. Um, but here, here I am on the other side, you know, selling at an arena. We set the worldwide record for the sport. You got 10,000 people buying tickets, hot dogs, and beers. Boy, and, I was looking for pictures. I was looking for pictures. And I can't, I can't go out and take money for, you know, being in a picture for, let's say, ASICs, who's our sponsor, or yeah. any. You're also doing else. some modeling too, right? Oh, I was at the time, it's ton of ton of it. So, so, yeah. and that that's what was the joke was I could go out and get paid twenty five grand by Armani, but I can't take a dime from ASICs, who's or Bank of Hawaii, yeah. who's going to use my image anyway. Yeah. So it was a unique situation because my image had a value; it had a day rate attached to it. Yeah, and it was thousands of dollars, and yet. I turn around and Bank of Hawaii has me on there, you know, welcome to the bank card. So how is that, you know, so you're mm. very, uh, it was very obvious to me um, what the problem was. And so we had founded the 
student union kind of based on that. And that was back in 94 that people have been having this discussion seriously. Yeah. Well, it definitely helped um, University of Hawaii forfeiting your scholarship because in light of the fact they're only 4.5, right? The men's volleyball isn't allowed to have 4.5 scholarships. Yeah. Um, definitely uh, forfeiting that helped you allocate maybe the sources to something else, which I thought is one of the advantages and how it helps uh, smaller sports outside of football and basketball. Not to mention Division two and Division three. It's one of my arguments where like they're under the same guidelines and division three and they're not allowed to accept athletic scholarships. Yeah. Well, or the um, Ivy league either, you know, but I don't know if, if that's going to directly relate those, those two things probably won't relate to each other. My situation was very unique. Um, But, you know, I also just won one of the biggest right to like right of likeness cases in America. And um, there was a lot of good that came from that, that case. And there was a lot of really bad that's come from that case in terms of people's ability to defend the illegal use of their likeness. So we won over seven figures, but within winning that there was actually, yes, to, to a detrimental end uh, to be specific. Uh, People have through my case, uh, lost a large amount of their standing as individuals in defense of their elite of the illegal use of their image. Right. And that is a, that is a conservative court, uh, corporate corporatist ruling in the most liberal state in the union. Right. Um, and you better watch out. <laughs> better watch about. Well, my my argument, and I, I had Wendy Jones on the show. She's um one of these volleyball power moms. Like her kid won national uh, junior nationals twice, going to Stanford. Got a daughter playing for Hector at TCU, the beach team. So. Um, she had a lot to say about it, and she talked about the value of, of and how expensive an education is. And I, and I bought into that argument because we were at a time period where tuitions, like we got out just before they started hiking up stuff. Like me, I went to Hunter for a cup of coffee, but my real education came from Marymount Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, my BFA is in acting. They mm-hmm. were the second ranked program in the country. I auditioned. I got in. What the hell? Let's finish my, my education here. So, um, but with that being said, the problem I had was... I think as far as gov- the government getting into it, they pick and choose. Like um, my argument was how old do you have to be to join the military? 18 years old, right? So if they're worried about protecting the children from harm and at the same time allowing people on a list and put them in a position where they're in a forward unit where not only are they not protected at harm, they're in, they're in harm's way. What's with the hypocrisy? Why? I mean, why if they're protecting people, why not make 21 years old? the age where kids uh, can serve in the infantry, maybe serve as mechanics or whatever until that, if, if people are worried about being exploited by other people. That was my second part of the argument. Wait, you're is, saying that in, in relation to if using if, your right of likeness? No, if, if the rationalization is that kids don't get to profit from their likeness because there are predators out there and that they're trying to protect the best No, no that's the best, not a reason. That's, the not, best that's not the reason. That's it's, not a reason. That, 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 that is... That is I don't even know who would argue that it is such a far-fetched made up uh, reason for this really. It's not it at, at all. I mean, the, the I don't the, want to sound biased, but the smart people, that's a far-fetched argument. No, no, it's, but, but it's no, out there. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. ridiculous. I mean, the, the idea, the idea behind the right of likeness argument is that it is um, making kids turn professional. 
right? It it so it's it's jeopardizing their amateur status and all the kind of beliefs and ideas that we hold uh, true to as a society in terms of amateur status in, in sports. Yeah, that's uh, and, that's Tim Tebow. That's his um argument in that. Right, right. So um, you know that. But they're two, they're two totally different things, right? So this, is, this, is, this was my case to the NCA. I'm saying, no, uh, using my right of likeness has nothing to do with me playing volleyball. Yep. And they said, prove it. And I proved it. And that's why I was able to go and make yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars using my right of likeness, even though I was a Division I athlete playing as an amateur status. Yep. So... Um, the line that has now been erased is that you are making the money based on your status as an athlete. Now could have started an agency, right. And could have run the game, right. right? I could have said, look, this is how it works. Okay. You got a 15 year old kid who we know is going to get a scholarship in whatever sport it might be. Let's pick a big one. Let's pick basketball, right? Yeah. It's going to get a full ride. Okay. Kid's going to go to the NBA. Let's let's get him in a few uh, modeling gigs right now. It can be five hundred bucks, can be a thousand bucks, could be ten bucks. Right. But we're going to sign a contract, and he's going to do four jobs right now. Now, when he goes to the NCAA, we go okay. So our guy is going to keep doing what he did before college, because that's the ruling. Right. You cannot take a job away from an American. Got it. By you know some kind of yeah. uh, regulatory legislation of a uh, quasi legal entity like the NCAA, Partic right? Particularly an adventure away. that has nothing to do with the sport. Like can't, you just can't said. take it away, right? So then the question would be: Is oh my, well, can you still go and do Nike, hmm. right? See, I was doing Nike, but I wasn't doing Nike as a Nike athlete. I was doing Nike in a Nike catalog. As a model, yeah. Right? You yeah. see what I mean? Yep. So, um, and, and this came up a couple times because one of the things that happened was Ralph Lauren started Polo Sport, hmm. right? So the question came up again, you know, mid-Final Four run, like, oh, wait. You know, and we had to go through the question again, and the question, and, and the answer was, Hey, I did this before I ever came to college. I'm not going to stop just because I'm making money for you guys. Agreed. Yeah. That, um, and for me, allow me to indulge and start on the athletic side. Um, and you probably heard us on a lot of talk shows. I'm a big first take fan. I can't help it. Um, Max Kellerman's like um, the president, the schools profit from it. Um, television profits from it. The coaches get, you know, they're, they're allowed to have their own radio shows and talk about it and they profit from it. Max Kellum is like, we're on first take right now. We're not coaching. We're not even involved in the sport and we're getting paid just talking about it. Handsome. We're on this podcast right now. I'm on iTunes. I'm on Spotify. I'm going to get hits over YouTube. We're going to get paid just talking we had a, about We had a coach that couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag come and show up and get six <laughs> figures off our back. He had that gig for 15 years till they found out he couldn't coach, okay? <laughs> I mean, give me a break. They don't even have to be the best commentators either. It's like ball served, out. Yeah. <laughs> Paycheck. I tease Triborn about that no. a lot. Like you're Leave Geeter alone. Cool. No, just <laughs> love Geeter. He's the and, best. And, and, he needs to come back to volleyball. And I guess for me, and it's, it's a cynical way of looking at it, but if people are operating under the assumption that these kids are making money anyway, 
don't punish him for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, how? Let's, how let's, are let's, they making money? A lot no, of these but, kids aren't. I mean, yeah. I got I got kids that that have offers to Division One schools as juniors that yeah. we're looking for shorts for them in the back of, yeah. you know, in the gym closet. Yeah, because they don't have it. Man. Yeah, remember that story know? about the kid from Baylor too? He's homeless. He was, like, oh, sleep, I didn't hear that he was one, sleeping no. in people's dorms or whatever. So what happened was his friends all chipped in and they got him in an apartment mm-hmm. so he didn't have to be homeless and he got kicked off the team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. 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 <sighs> there has to be, like you just like you just said and like you just did a, a couple of decades ago and proved uh, 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 why I, I wish, like that kid's probably not smart enough to fight for himself. If he was smart enough to fight for himself, he wouldn't have been homeless. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think the big, you know? I think the big one of, one of the big tipping points for me was when they said that a kid had to go to college for at least one year before turning pro mm-hmm. like NBA. Okay. That was such a blatant money grab. So mm-hmm. now you're, now you're mandating that the kid has to go to co- has to go to college, has to come play for you, has to sell tickets mm-hmm. and you're not letting him use his right of likeness that he could have gone and made money off right away because mm-hmm. he would have just gone straight to the NBA like Kobe, like you know, that, and the, uh, the, the racial crawls. So up, that's the racial epithet crawls up my neck on that. I can't help like everybody's like, oh, everything's about race, and you shouldn't make everything about race. And I'm like, this is the two biggest sports that are affected by this: Africa, uh, f- football and basketball, highly dominant in Afro- African Americans. Hockey, you're allowed. You can sign a contract and still go to college, and your contract is going to be there for you. Golf, you can baseball, get, you can get eighteen hundred bucks worth of equipment yeah. for for showing but, up and signing the, your name. But it's it's so damn convenient that it's the, the two most popular sports that we we let's let's not bullshit ourselves. It's highly dominant in um, as far as um, quantitative um, ethnicity and um, African American. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I, I think I don't think that that's as much of a racial issue as it is a. Uh, economics issue Good. honestly I, I really i really Good, i really do it hurts um, thinking about like, yeah like no i i think that that's more of a um economics issue even the golf thing you know i, I play used to play a whole lot of golf and uh, one of the guys i used to play with was a coach at emory when i was working out in, in atlanta you know and i was talking about it, I was like how can you how can your kids get so much in equipment um where, whereas like, you know, volleyball, you take, you take over 250 bucks, you're disqualified. Right. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the thought there was that it was in order to get kids who couldn't afford the clubs to play. Right. That's not how it goes down. No. How it goes down is that all the kids with the $300 an hour teachers who, who make these teams that can afford the golf teams and have the Callaway or the Nike relationship that those are the kids that are actually getting the clubs, but you could see how um, the spirit of it um, could be in the right, you know, in the right vein. Right. You really, you really can. So I don't have so much of a problem with that. Uh, With the basketball and and, in the football, there's just, there's just so many millions to get made that it's, it's more of an economic thing, you know? Yeah. Nice. I like well. Since we're still on the subject of sports, and before I jump jump off the deep end and have and have have fun on some of the stuff we we um we agree and debate healthily on, I want just tell everybody um how you how you started playing. Did, uh, it, did it start in Jersey or no? No, I'm I'm born and raised in LA. Okay. Um, and uh, I was went to a small little Catholic high school. Uh, didn't have a sports team. It's called Daniel Murphy. Doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
wanted to go to a bigger school. And at the time I was a soccer player. So I had, I had played uh, soccer my whole life, uh, played a little bit internationally uh, for a U.S. club team. Uh, and then went, that was kind of, I think that was the summer of my freshman year. So it was while I was about, it was while I was in between transferring schools and we went and they decided, well, we did good against China. We did, we did good against, um, Malaysia, Singapore, we did this, this eat, this, you know, Asian tour did really well. So let's go play. Um, I know let's go play Real Madrid next year. And we went and did that. (laughs) (laughs) And the only thing I, I can, I try to visualize to people was if, you know, a bunch of kids from Gardena went and played American football against Japanese kids. Mm. It's probably about mm-hmm. probably about the size of it. Yeah. Maybe East Indian Good kids. Luck with that. Okay, maybe the Japanese might have more structure. Okay, because <laughs> we went over there, and uh, it was a completely different sport. Yeah. First of all, we were used to playing in the big national stadiums, and we're on this big tour bus, and the tour bus goes by. Um, you know, I forget the name of the field. Real Madrid's home stadium looks like you know the coliseum not the fake one the real one yeah and we went through the shadow of this stadium and we kept driving i'll never forget that i'll never forget the shadow of that stadium going across our bus and like where where are we turned out the lights (laughs) yeah yeah like oh wait wait where are we going and we kept driving and we ended up on this this pitch that was perfectly was immaculate except there was no grass it was the same kind of dirt that you would find on like an old school track, yeah. you know, like that really yeah. coarse, like half made of glass <laughs> clay, not baseball clay, but yeah. like that old track, like, but it was perfect. Right. And, um, know. you know, big square goal poles, which back in the day, it was like the play was called square goal poles was unbelievable. So it was like every and time you played, it kicked up dust. So it was so perfect. It barely kicked up dust, but here's the thing. Okay. When you, when you read these, these um, books like talent code or something like that, and it talks about organizations that train their kids um, with just in a way more pressurized, way more weighted way. Okay. You can't slide tackle on this kind of dirt. Okay. The ball moves. It's like, you might as well be playing in a, in a, in a linoleum hallway. So the ball is, um, going super fast you have to control it perfectly and that's how these kids we were playing the real madrid um 18u right so these are the kids that aren't i mean they aren't on the 18 oh the good the messies they're going at 15 16 they're already and these kids were insane and and we just never seen anything like it before um I played goalkeeper, right? So I think the first half there was 24 shots on goal. One of the shots was a was a um, they would run this play to a bicycle kick. It was a play because they did it three times in a row. And the and the second time the thing hit the goal and rocked the goal off the off the mount. I mean this. Yeah. So when I came back, I said, "Oh my God, this 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 isn't going to work. No, this isn't the same sport. We're fooling ourselves in America." And I went in for volleyball tryouts that at St. Bernard's high school there and coach Dana Lund, coach Robbie Brown, who was from Punahou. Yeah. Okay. We're coaching there. Uh, co- uh, um, Denny Smith. Okay. Um, 
mayor of Playa del Gundo. He was there coaching. The Lennons were around. They were all around. Everybody was around. Uh, Tony Mack from Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, Danny yep. Mack. They were around. They were all in the gym. And at that time, Jeez. there was a very br- vibrant uh, volleyball scene in Playa del Gundo. Now, I knew nothing of this. So I'm just, I was just walking into it. Uh, but things, you know, tournaments like the Gillis, yeah. the, the six man, I played in my first six man in 80. 88 89 you know what I mean all this stuff was brand new to me and these teachers that just had this passion for the game because I was a goalkeeper defending cutting off angles all that kind yeah. of stuff that was like that was nothing that was that was I I'm got a that. Good defender too because your, your matrix is already adjusted you're, where where that's moving slower and you're moving like a regular speed yeah and yeah. you're well you're cutting off angles it's all about cutting off angles. if you think about like staying outside of the block shadow yep. what's the difference between staying outside of the black shadow and lining up a wall and staying out the other side of the wall knowing where your danger spots are as a goalkeeper it's the exact same yeah. sport why why do you look at some of the best uh libros in the in the in the world look look they're all they're ba- they're american they were baseball players look yeah. at rich lamport right baseball yeah. player yeah. until what 16 someone handed him volleyball and you know try yeah. this it's, it's the way it is a lot of times right they were getting so much information from our other sports i think that's the advantage to yeah. americans yeah. especially yeah. the men why we tend to do so well in national competitions is that is that other training but so that's what happened got into it and uh I remember I didn't know how to hit, so the Olympics, it was, wasn't that far from the Olympics, the 84, right? So I went and watched yeah. Karch hit, uh, like looking at his footwork. Okay, yeah. that's how you go and hit. And I tied a volleyball in a bowling yeah. bag to the top of my rim in the backyard, yeah. and I practiced. And then I went to practice and realized the net was only eight feet. Which You're was like, awesome. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Shut the front It's not. Yeah, yeah. So you know, <laughs> you know, just just by pure dumb, dumb as hell luck. Yeah. You know, ended up training myself for a summer at a higher mm-hmm. level than, and we went on a state run. I think that's. I'm, I'm sorry, they didn't have state state for our division there, but uh, we went to the CIF finals. I think that was my. It was either that year or the next year, right. and I got to, got to go play. You know who you know who I played against in the final? Tell me, Hambly, coach of Stanford. I'll never forget because he drew little little mouth yeah. with the teeth on his hands. So when he's up at the net, <laughs> yeah, yeah, block, he had these little hands, <laughs> and I went, I went, dude, you know I can't see those from up there. Yeah. No, oh, no, but then we played against <laughs> each other from uh, when he was at BYU. It was just been a fun thing, one of those yeah. fun things. Um, and I was playing for Roof. I. Um, uh, roof at the time uh mm-hmm. who was on that team uh swadic was on that team canyon seaman was on that team yeah. mike ashenfelter was on that's that another team. guy that had a can canon canyon had a canyon canon back then oh gosh yeah so yeah. that i mean the uh, god i think craig was craig Ottomali on that team zach small was he on? i mean there were so many names on that yeah. team i think maybe everybody went Division small one. played at uh, long beach state mm-hmm. at that time yeah or, i think won a ring with Stimfig, i think I think, um, the I think next, he was on that team. Right? I think, yeah. They um, they lost Knight, the USC. Knight, Remember the USC? They lost the first final, and the next year they repeated. Brent Hilliard. Goofy Hilliard. Goofy Hilliard. The opposite was um, Small, Zach Small, Stimpig. You call him what you want. I don't, I don't yeah. know anything he did that was goofy. No. That was crazy. No, he had a lefty that, approach. Oh, my God. He had a lefty approach, and he hit with his right He was that's, unbelievable. That's what we call goofy. Play. I got to play um, against Karch, him. Karch One of the first that. games I started was against Hilliard. Yeah. That was L- a nightmare. Like, you look at Phil. You look at uh, Lion King. 
you look at their approach, no one really notices because they, they reach so high and they get up, mm -hmm. everybody looks at the waist up. But if you look at the footwork, they're taking a lefty approach. Oh, and that's interesting. Right, so that's what we call, they got it from surfers. Left, it's a goofy left, right, foot. they're going. Huh? Yeah, they're going, they're going um, right, left, right, instead of left, right, left. That's, that's. Um, mind you, and I'm not, I'm not talking about high school kids who they need to rework this test. I'm talking, we're talking about uh, um, the Lion Kings. Yeah, I never, know, I never uh, noticed Phil's going to be in whatever Hall that's of Fame, um, you know, Olympic gold medal, so already solidified his legacy. Um, Karch was half and half. Karch did whatever he did, whatever he could to, to approach that gave momentum to go straight up. And if mm -hmm. you looked at the 84 Olympics, look no further than Brazil, uh, the finals against Brazil, where you were allowed to block a serve, by the way. Uh, getting to that later. But one approach, right, left. The other, uh, two two approaches later, left, right. And I'm just like, oh, shit, Karch's a goofy foot. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I need to watch more of it. Okay, no, he's not. Mm -hmm. And I rewind. Yes, he was. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. The best player in the world did what he, you know, I don't know if there was a whole lot of science behind it and why, the why, but, you know, this is a generation why. Mm -hmm. But that was just that was just like, do what you tell. Mm -hmm. So I, I couldn't figure out why, but that's what he did. You know, and you, you emulated that. And you, you're, you're, I mean, I got a picture behind you that shows that you did a pretty good job. You know, I, I got it. Yeah. Uh, I, they don't show the the, the, the other part. It's the other TV oh, <laughs> behind oh, you. That was oh, the yeah. one I, I wanted to pull up. Oh, um, um, well, I mean, what a great team. You got the number one out of Austria there, Nick, yeah. Nick Burr, who never did cover. So you had to put the wall away because yeah. he wasn't going to cover yeah. shit. So you had to put the ball away. And then uh, oh, he didn't then cover because Eric he Michelle. put the ball away. No, it's no, about no, 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 now, no, 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 no. We call him Princess Burger for a reason. Uh, uh, no, he was awesome. Just, just fantastic guy. And then, What's and up, then man? Eric Fischel. And, yeah, that was at Pepperdine, who um, never had success playing Pepperdine. Uh, yeah, even when we were two and they were like nothing, we I think they still beat us. I don't nice. know why. It's just one of those teams. Never lost to San Barbara, as good as they were with with Styles Raji and everybody yeah. on that team. It's like one and of those never beat Styles never beat Pepperdine. Teams. It was yeah. just you went in. I think as Hawaiian kids, you know, kids out in Hawaii, we walked in and that floor was like bleach blonde, and we were just like, this doesn't work. <laughs> it was like such a weird place to play. I just couldn't stand Jeez. that gym. Yeah. Shout out to um great setter Eric too, Andrew Chip McCaw. Eric right Anderson then. is looking right now. What's mm -hmm. up? Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. My boy from Russia. That, that was always a Boris uh, V from Russia. He's watching. There you right, go. Cool. <laughs> hey, Boris. That was that was uh, always a uh, uh, historically though great. Uh, rivalry yeah. in Pepperdine, that Pepperdine Hawaii, because st the styles clash so much. They one, of, one of my favorite games to ever watch was uh, that Allen Allen year. Uh, Allen, Carlos Brasino. Um, another heavy hit. Heavy, another heavy hit. Oh, heavy they had a big uh, Van Sickle, whose daughter is killing mm -hmm. it for the Wahini now, uh, Brooke, uh, mm -hmm. with Gary Van Sickle, uh, Stick and Dine, Damian Hardy was on that team, Adam Lockwood was on that team. Um, I'm going to forget a whole bunch of names, unfortunately. Um, Papinga, both no. Papingas uh, were on that team. Uh, but then they had this epic match. I think it might have lasted five hours, I think, yeah. against uh, Pepperdine. When Pepperdine had the rigs out of out of uh, OCC and yeah. uh, Punahou. Uh, and, you know, it, I think Dumphy had just left to go uh, coach the Olympic team. Um, and you were looking at this very kind of structured Euro, US, UCLA slash Pepperdine offense, defense against this Hawaii, we're going to teach you how to play and let you go. Right. And, and 
you know, you have have at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What at one point in this game, Allen Allen is ends up in the middle of the court and passes a ball. He's he's front middle. He's got to be like six feet off the net. Passes a ball, turns his back to the net. Passes the ball over his shoulder. Turns back around and hits a quick. And the whole hits this thing like a foot out of bounds. So it hits it so hard, and it is such a ridiculously athletic and creative play. Yeah, that the whole gym just goes quiet. Just a, and this know. was club gym with with yeah. people packed down to the court, right? So you had the bleachers, and then they used to let people sit on the floor. Yeah, so probably so three it, feet, intimate, four feet from the sideline, you have yeah. three, four rows of people sitting on the floor, mm-hmm. right? Surrounding the mat, it's it's just incredible, and you know, so you know th- that's what it was. Was basically like when I got there, it went from we're gonna you know do what your coaches say to if you need a coach, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a big transition. Yeah, like Oof. we're gonna teach you how to play that. so that you don't need us and stop looking over here. Yeah, because we're not gonna help you. Good. Well, that's that's certainly. Um, I've been coaching twenty one years, and somewhere in my tenth year, that's turned into my coaching style. I, everything we need to know, we know in practice. If I see something like someone out of rotation or just someone whatever, I'll get up. But anything that I need to say can wait for the, the freaking timeout because, like you said, sometimes there are some teams that they're doing this all the time. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not doing this. Right. So, and and that was a huge learning experience for me because I tried to emulate styles of people who are good sideline coaches. Some some of the people who are standing up close all the time, free, free, you know, this and that. Just out, just out. Sometimes just shut, like you said, sh- shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I do think that's is stylistic in the sense too of it's not whether a person is up or active. Like I'm, a, I'm a very active coach, but it's what's being said, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it also depends on. Yeah, the level of and, your, and level of your team and a little it bit. Wait. It's true. There's a lot of stuff that can wait. There's a lot of stuff that is just going to pull your team's focus. Uh, uh, like like you know you were saying, you're yeah. going to pull your team's focus away from the game rather than and the more concentrate. Let me interrupt you. And the more experience you are, the more yeah. you you stop talking about the obvious. Someone sets their middle a little too low, and you know it gets touched up. You don't need to say hi. You don't need to wave down the center and say higher. He why because he knows. <laughs> Right? No, if your setter sets you a perfect ball and you hit it out, your setter doesn't come up to you and say, You gotta hit that in. <laughs> no, why? Because you know it depends on your setter. <laughs> it depends on your setter. Carlos Bresenio. Yeah. Our you, games, just tag you, Carlos yeah. Like, oh. yeah, yeah. You gotta it depends on your setter. He might walk out. You play with Albert Hanneman and let me know if he doesn't oh, come up to you and tell you you need to hit that. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um so <laughs> so from that to Hawaii played a little bit of probably a little bit of indoor somewhere no no I, I never you know I didn't I played on the beach a little bit actually I was training really hard with Jason Stimfig who I had grown up watching you know he was maybe only a couple years older than me but was he left-handed remind me no he's right no I don't believe no. so no right right-handed yeah. um but he was always such a great beach player that that he would play with his dad out in all the tournaments out here in playa like I said back then playa like especially Rosecrans yeah it was it was a it was, man. There was a lot of good, good, good volleyball playing play, especially at Rosecrans. You know, and I say especially at Rosecrans because it doesn't really exist anymore. It's no. like a dead zone. No, but just, um, no, no nets there, right? Yeah. Well, no, there's nets, but see, you, well, you, know, you know, no, yeah. Rose, right at Rosecrans, 
right at Rosecrans, just north of that little, there's like a little, uh, a little party uh, area. no, 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 not there. That's, that's, um, that's after that. That's after yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Right at, right at basically if you would take Rosecrans down to the beach and then turn right Boom. and there's a little lifeguard, little station there. And then just, just north of that. Um, uh, because you got to remember that back then there was an LMU program. There was a very good, yeah. you had Wayne Selickson out of there. You had Seal yeah. Sapoia. You had a Craig Alamali actually pretty, went there. Pretty, yeah, a lot of great yeah. LMU players, yeah, right, coming out. Chief, uh, Chief was out there. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know so um, uh, you had, those guys would come down and train there. Yeah. And so when we were younger, we'd come down and, you know, see if we could pick up a game playing against yeah. – uh, Playing well, the women's beach team still practices there. I was the director of operations for LMU last year. Oh, okay. Um, John, John Mayer, he's the head coach. Oh, John, me. I just saw John. Yeah. yeah, I just walked into his office this just a couple weeks ago. Nova, right? Yeah, like everything you think you know about him, you're right. He's are, a nice guy. Are they practicing at Rosecrans or are they down farther? No, like a uh, right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit after. Yeah, I think. So. Yeah. Aaron Mansfield, the long his, his yeah. assistant. Okay. Who, who I think is one of the best five indoor coaches I've ever met in my life. He, a lot of people just don't know about him. Uh-huh. His all his brothers, you guys, you know, it's from a coaching family. Um, so he's the assistant, but he's the head coach of the, uh, of the LMU women's team. Betsy Flint. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, yes, yes, no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so I was I, with them last year. I was I've been trying to recruit yeah. them, trying to get us, you know, our St. Bernard's girls being there and trying yeah. to revive the program and trying to get them up on the LMU yeah, campus man. to watch, you know, whatever they're he's doing, got practices a, or whatever's yeah, going he's on. He's a I'm second trying. kid, so he's just one of those things where he's, yeah. he's um, when you're a full-time coach, and you plan trying to play full time dad at the same time. Like me, I'm lucky. I got a nanny, you know, and I got we got a little. Let's just say we got a little money put away for a rainy day. Right. Um, the best way we know how to put it. Um, yeah, he's a busy dude. <laughs> he's like, he's a busy dude. Well, he's, he's got a, you They know, beat BYU last year, which got yeah. him in the dance. They, they, you know, are, they, they, they upset are, BYU. Yeah. And the first round of NCAA, they beat Duke, and that earned them the right to get their head chopped off by Stanford, who won the whole thing. No, they've been on the yeah. they've been on the upswing with that program. I think but, it's beginning, and they do a really I'm good job right with there. the juniors in the neighborhood. They have a really yeah. good. They have a really popular uh, summer program for the for the little kids that you know. A lot of our LABC girls will go. LABBC girls go in there like nine, ten, okay. and they, and we really encourage them to. Um, they didn't quite understand how competitive it was at ten already, you know. So we were like, okay. Can you please put the baby balls away and yes. get the U twelve balls out because like, you gotta you gotta right. You need to come. And watch these games. It's it's crazy, you know. So yeah. we're but we're trying to we're trying to you know get more and more involved with their uh, pipeline and and I, and they have just last summer they started doing some more kind of elite type clinics for the advanced tens, eleven, twelve. I mean, as yeah. you know, if you're not running like a bunch left spread right at twelve, you're losing. That was a huge. Like, it's crazy, man. To, like, these these girls were, in particular never are so good. advanced. I was so never advanced. that good at ten or eleven. Years. So, didn't even play. Never I, even I coached NCAA them. for 15 years. So when I moved here, and you know, it's, you got to mix it up. You got to coach everybody. I was like, that ball's the size of her. How is she using her hands? A little girl jump setting, mm-hmm. just throwing it up. Mm-hmm. 10, 11 years old. I'm like, wow. Yeah, man. I, I mean, Cali, Cali ball is just un. It's really mm-hmm. good. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably the <clears throat> biggest fan of what they've been doing in in Texas. Maybe not. You know the all like these. Six, nine, well, I mean, it, you know, they're look. They are going to run these girls into the ground, and they are going to have a lot of injury problems doing what they're doing. I think they need to back off. I need 
think they need to adjust their schedules. I think they need to give more priority to the high school programs in Texas. They're, they're fighting that fight right now. And I think it's a fight that needs to be fought because it is not where it needs to be. And some for kids beach, are getting run for beach or indoor. more indoor. Okay. But when you look at the skill level that they are taking, like their 16s to, I mean, these girls I, I've seen blocks from Texas 16s that are perfect. They're perfect. Yeah. They're perfect. They're perfect. They're division whatever, whatever one, the perfect, water. perfect yeah. blocks. Um, and I love how they've tapped into the African-American community there. It's become middle blocker. You out there, it's yeah. like, you know, you want to go buy a middle blocker? It's like, go to Texas. <laughs> like, you'll oh. find one. They also, it's an amazing recruit, job. Yeah. But Cali Ball is, uh, you know, it's it's pretty incredible right now. Uh, what, well, Kelly has a big, Kelly has um, but underneath that, Kelly has a really big challenge slash a really big problem right now. Quantitatively, they they have the talent. So the more people you have, the the better the chance that the highest level is going to be here. Now here's the problem. Sometimes we have to separate some of these people who are doing real real coaching and who are fucking glorified babysitters. Okay, if you look at the national rankings right now, the top two teams right now. Are in the third as far as power conferences are concerned, you have Texas and you have Baylor at one and two. Oh, and then, are you and then, in, the, and then right. in the Big Ten, you have five teams in the Big Ten in the top ten, and then you have Stanford. Right, but you can't. Yes. But I, I got to say, you can't. You can't call college success based on location because college is recruiting from around the world. Yeah. Okay, um, you gotta. You, I mean, you 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 have to stop at club. I yeah. mean, once you get to college, you're recruiting from. But if you look at world. AAUs, all right, let's look at AAUs. Let's look at uh, uh, regional talent coming coming to play these um, beach volleyball national events. I'm part of that. Okay, um, yeah. I'm um, Deron yep. Forbes runs that. She's yep. the founder. Yep. She's also the program director for Endless Summer. I'm the volleyball skills coach. So I'm mm-hmm. with Jeff Samuels and those guys. Pompeo, mm-hmm. Pompeo might go back as far as you. He was Jose Leola's coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Six nine two man, the girls from Texas are murdering it right now. Mm-hmm. Like you, every age group, they're in the semis and finals. La Beach, uh, is that is that is that your outdoor? Is that your outdoor? No, that's well, Stein. No, 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 no connection. We yeah. were did the La VBC thing and yeah. indoor and all that, and I didn't even know he had uh, Los Angeles Beach. Most uh, recently, I didn't. I didn't know. So most um, recently, yeah. So it's very similar name, but no. I would say like last two years, to the best of my knowledge. Uh-huh. He's at UCLA, of course. He's yeah. Took, he took over the P fourteen forty developmental program right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so great guy, great coach, amazing player. So, um, really, what I really want us to do is just make sure we don't just have the best kids try out for the best clubs and then just assign someone who's a former great player. We want, I want yeah. these people to do their fucking jobs. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, um, it's tough though, because you know, there's no money in it, you know? So it's really, you have to, you almost have to afford the ability to go be a coach. You know, it's, um, it's yeah. it's not it's not easy to do. You have to really have your John heart just said into very it. True. He just said very true, Jay. Well, you know, yeah. Um, you got to you have to have the passion. You're not going to do it without the passion for it. And then you have to be able to afford to be a coach, uh, which is tough. I mean, one one of the reasons I created my own club versus sending my daughter to someone else's club wasn't because there weren't great clubs around. There's a lot of great clubs around, but I wanted to try to create a little bit of a different model for coaches um, to do what they love. Right. right. And, and I wanted to do that on my, 
on my own terms. And so that meant that, you know, I, I have to take three years last year being the first, this being the second, probably another year, maybe four years mm -hmm. and put in all the sweat equity and everything to get it off the ground till you get to five teams. And then you can afford to do that and hire the right people um, to be, you know, to be real, real teachers of the game. I, I, I think we might actually do start that this year, which would in my mind be a year to two years early. Um, and what we do is we bring in young, good young players who we have some word about in terms of their wanting to teach and bring them in to do clinics and through the clinics, which we open to everybody, which we open to the public and they're, they're pretty inexpensive, 40 bucks or less. And what we also use that as a way to, uh, identify coaches that we want to put in the pipeline. Cause I don't, I don't want, I don't want. People can say that being a division one player doesn't necessarily make you a good coach. And I 100% agree. Yeah. Neither does never playing at all. Agreed. Okay. Very and so there, but, but, but there's, but there is one thing. Yeah. I, I mean, they say that, right. But then they carve out Spira and they carve out Karch and they, and they, carve, and they carve out Robin and Ro Amo yeah. and they, and they, and they carve out, um, uh, who 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 I just mentioned at at Stanford? Or, yeah. Um. Sorry. <laughs> Name uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, all these guys, you know, women and men who who are great collegiate players. Um. But point being, um. I there are things that you cannot understand unless you've played under the pressure of that kind of performance and you know that includes crowd pressure that includes that includes the myriad of things that go along with the division one program um in the in the year over year competition i mean hell there wasn't a single year a guy that wasn't six eight to six ten that didn't come into uh to take my spot right it wasn't yeah. a single year that didn't happen yeah healthy right division, so you know competition that yeah. kind of competition and you know that kind of having to continually work on your game away from the game and all that kind of stuff that's stuff that you cannot understand unless you've been involved in a high level program and so you know i think that we can coach coach the players how to be coaches um easier than i can coach a coach on how to understand what it's like to be a player right right you see well, what I'm i certainly at that level i certainly agree with that i i i mean the higher the level the more we're not we don't need a coach to understand i mean to understand that like you look at chuck daly detroit pistons mm -hmm. never dribbled a basketball in his life two rings manage these these incredibly high heightened personalities for the if you look at the first dream team yeah you want to talk you want to talk about uh Taking these egos and finding yes. to make them play together. Yes, I would Jordan, say, and this Jordan is, Johnson, and, and, and listen, I, I've, um, got, I've got, I've got, uh, jumped out of uh, coach online chat rooms for saying this, but I think it's easier at the pro or the Olympic level, right? Yeah. At the pro or Olympic level, yeah. that's more of a tactical and personality management yeah. thought. Okay, yep. you're getting, you're getting to select the best of the best of the best from a skills and personality level. Right. The rest is management and 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 maybe personality strategy. Uh, uh, right. Maybe personality rides the fence. On that, it's on you. You chose them. 
That's true. You had you had you you or, had your pick of the litter. Or did you? You you had or, your pick or, of the litter. Or does the coach choose them? You, it depends you, on the country. You had your pick of the litter. Uh, the, I'm talking about the U.S. You had okay. your pick of the litter, man. Right. You can you can pick whoever you want. You can put whoever you want into your feeder system. Good. Well, you, right. Well, good because so, if they lose, who is it fall on? The, yeah, the coach, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I learned something in the army. I'm sorry, you I'm, don't. I'm you do go- not medal if you do not medal yeah. in this on the men's or women's side. Uh-huh. If you do not medal in this country, it's an embarrassment. Yeah, it's an absolute embarrassment. And it's a coach. We have we have the biggest we have the biggest broadest strongest organization with the biggest broadest strongest athletes on earth, and this is a sport that we should absolutely own. If you don't have I'm going to say, if you don't have five guys out there touching 12-4 and have absolutely eradicated the 10-foot line by next Olympics, yeah. that is an organizational failure. The organization fails when they just fall in love with fails the 10-foot at the line use, and 12-4. Fails at the youth, it fails at the youth I disagree because for every one person we have that reaches 12-4 and do, does that, Russia has five middles that actually receive a, a platform serve receiver. We're not we're, 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 well, we're, where we fell in love with just teaching positions. Ooh. So I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not really on board with that. And that's where I kind of disagree with that. I, I can, I mean, look, there, there's going to be a big battle, right? The seesaw battle between is a Libra worth it? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it to take offense off the table? Right. I, I've never thought so. Okay. I never thought that that it was – I think that you need five attackers coming at the ball. 100%. Right? The whole, so, the whole house. So, the whole right, house. The whole, the whole house, right? Yep. And, you know, so you have that with – you know, we can name the names of the Nygaard. You have that. It's not like these guys don't exist. What, I mean, there are some the unbelievable, you know, the middles who have the height and the tenacity and the ability to – you know, uh, play the ball at a very high, at, at a, at a, at a two on two professional beach level. Right. Cause right. that's what we're looking at. Absolutely. And, but the, but the thing is, is that <clears throat> my biggest problem with the youth has, has been for decades. Right. And everybody who knows me knows this, that I've been saying it since the nineties that our funnel for volleyball is too small. And when I got, I walked into the gym this about, I don't know, let's call it five months ago. It was a couple months before the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And this dude stood up, grabbed the rim, and started stretching with his feet flat on the floor. <laughs> okay. Let me repeat that again. Yeah, that, dude, let dude, that swirl in RJ, RJ Barrett was sitting right next to him. Okay. Pretty big dude. Yep. Okay. This guy stood up, grabbed the rim, and started stretching with his feet flat on the floor. Taco. Nice. Yeah. Taco, seven foot six. Yep. The guys on the guy didn't even get drafted. The guy's on a on a like a, a practice player. Jeez. Right? Yeah. Oof. Contract <laughs> with whoever it is that this. I think you got traded with the Knicks. Maybe you got traded to somebody else. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Okay. There he's not the only one. I mean, seven six is rare in on this planet, but there's yeah. a slew of guys who are 6'9", 6'10", 6'8", <clears throat> grabbing quarters off the top of the backboard, who've never seen a volleyball in their life. All right. Never been handed a volleyball. Here mm-hmm. you go. So our funnel for the level of athletes that have been coming into the sport is, has been so small on the men's side. Right. Right. And when, is, when are our national bodies 
going to make a serious and concerted effort to reach all of America, yeah. particularly basketball playing America. Yeah. Okay. Do we do, a, do we do a when slash how? Or is that, is that is that is that a joint thing? A when and that the when and the how? Well, no, I like, mean because decide when no, because like, no, because I think you have out. I think you have a lot of the pieces there. One of the pieces is Starlings, right? I mean, great piece. It's just, it's it's everywhere and it's systematic, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I jump back in, into this you because because my daughter, yes, it's like Omar Vargas. I mean, wow, it's it's okay. yeah. I mean, Starlings yeah. is everywhere. It's it's a, because you know one of the biggest barriers to to playing high level volleyball and getting in the club is the price of it. So, you know, how do we, how do we um, entice clubs? Is there a way at the national level to entice clubs, our good clubs, our big clubs, and say, hey, you know, um, we wanna help, we're going to help you out. You know, maybe it's not just the Starlings. Maybe it's like us or may, maybe it's like a Mizuno or LABBC or SCVC or one of these clubs. Let's, yeah. let's talk, you know, I'm talking about clubs who people we know own these clubs, right? Yeah. And saying, hey, you know, governing body, we're going to give you, we know it's, we know it's you know four grand to your club. And Starlings is fifteen hundred. We're going to give you. How about we'll give you fifteen hundred? You take them on as well. Boom. There, there could be some kind of national scholarship system to start getting these players. You know, and and targeting the targeting the boys. I think the 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 women's side has done a much better job across. You can just look at the college teams and see yeah. that. But we are leaving so much talent, athletic talent and ability uh, on the sidelines for our sport. Um, and we're still doing okay. <laughs> you know, we're still doing okay. True. We're still doing okay, yeah. but we all know that we're coming into this next Olympics as fans going, ooh, yeah. ooh like, how's this going to go? 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 And I think they, listen, I'm not saying, I, I think they are the best. I mean, I, I have nothing but love and, and, and respect for all of our athletes that make these teams and dedicate their whole mm. lives to them and are playing amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing world-class volleyball. But the pool has been limited Amen. and we have to expand Amen. the pool. You look Amen. at any, you look at any sport that has done a great job of expanding the pool of athletes that are coming into it. And all that sport has done is rise, 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 more money, more money, more money, bigger prizes, bigger prizes, yeah. bigger prizes. Like MMA. And, and then you look at volleyball yeah. and we, and we we're on our what um, tour 3.0, 3.5. Now mm. we're bifurcated, maybe trifurcated tour. Ooh. Right. So you, and it's it's for lack of lack of abundance. It's for lack of money, right? The the pool the pool of athletes has has been shrunken. So therefore, the pool of interest is shrunken. shrunken right. You take Tiger Woods out of golf. Good yeah. luck to your country club. Yeah, I right. Mean, good luck to your country. club. What's the reason that I mean? He comes well, back in. All of a sudden, you got a hundred more kids out on the yeah. range. And there are people that move the, the, the sports needle like that. I call them needle movers. Yes, yeah, and you don't I know mean, where they're going to come from. I mean, you, if you can guess about me, like someone who's not in the golf, the reason why I would watch golf, you look at me and you say, Jason, Tiger Woods, isn't it? And I'm mm. like, yeah, you're right. Tennis, uh, look no further. I mean, I, I mean, Federer is like this international and, uh, citizen of the world, and I like him. But I started watching it again because I have boom periods for tennis. Serena Williams. Yeah. You know, I was more more part of the San Francisco era when the Americans are going at each. Uh, Steffi Graf, if you remember, just just 100%. watching that girl not get paid by the hour. One hundred Forty-one minutes. Forty-eight minutes. Boom! Pow! 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 pow caught a three-piece in the soda. That's what I'm gone. saying. You never know where they're going to come yeah. from. You never know where that uh, personality. McEnroe. You yeah. know, you never know where that personality is going to okay. come from. New York. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, you just never know where where that person is going to come from. The move the needle. Mm -hmm. 
But one thing you know, if you don't keep expanding that pool, then other sports are going to beat you out. You know, so I yep. think that that's where we're all seeing some frustration. The good news is, is that it is absolutely exploding at the youth yeah. level. It is, it is exploding at the yeah. youth level. This you, you know, we're 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 like playing mostly U twelve teams, mm-hmm. and um, God, I mean, you just walk into these gyms and you're in one site, yeah. and at the one site there's thirty six courts you and just four teams on escrow, and and there's no yeah. there's no there's no way to do it. I mean, I have such great respect for um, SCVA because of like, I mean, they're onboarding thousands of teams. It's unbelievable. I mean, oh, yeah. and you know that's that'll just that'll just be that's just half of california yeah that's just southern california yeah it's just so cal (laughs) yeah 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 so it's exciting yeah hey i'm excited about beach volleyball right now like endless summer um the founder of bvne is also the program director for endless summer and we um we lead the country in commitments per capita we have 15s and 14 year olds just killing it right now i'm very happy when you say commitments what um well we have a 22 person group but we have eight commitments uh uh, scholarship offers oh really people sign sign i got four girls going to sc and how amazing is that didn't even exist uh, 10 years ago long beach state yeah that's incredible once it became an ncaa sport those club sizes have tripled. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was actually running Volleyball Magazine when that happened. Yeah. Right? And I was with trying. Chen? Were you with Chen? Is, with Chen? is Chen? Or was Chen with Ed Chen? Was he with you then? No, no. That was that was much later. That was Sorry. later um, that they okay. took took over it. Uh, it was owned by Matamor. A bunch of people that had no business being in the volleyball business. But um, okay. um, the articles that... I was trying to get written at the time were would have been pretty interesting because when it first happened, the coaches, you would talk to the coaches of division one programs and they didn't even know how their scholarships were supposed to be used. Could I use this as an indoor player and then have them go beach or let's say I'm full of my indoor scholarships. Can I take a beach scholarship and give it to a, a a girl that I know she has to play beach, but then can I have her play on the indoor team? There was all these questions that were floating around. It was just like a bunch of gold was dumped on the table and everybody started grabbing it. Look, you you and me could take over Long Beach State and have that question. And it's, and it's, organized itself you know Uh which is really amazing thing about volleyball Mm. is that volleyball i think really attracts uh organized and structured mentalities Mm -hmm. yeah right um and i think that's one of the the beautiful things about our sport is is kind of like the minds and mindsets that it attracts to it so all of that yeah it kind of got figured out on its own it's isn't like the sport didn't need the amazing? ncaa so much to come in and say this is how you do it it's it kind of yeah. kind of figured itself out really quick and then regulations slowly got put in place but how incredible that you know you'd be able to send another eight girls to college for free for learning how to play on the, on the beach, you know, that's incredible. And now that it's expanding, you know, in the sand, you know, of course, you know, it's sand volleyball. We call it beach volleyball because we have beaches, but you know, sand volleyball. And like you're saying now girls from Texas are going to, you know, and I'm, I'm school for free for playing sand volleyball. And it's right before my eyes right now. Again, I have the privilege of covering it right now. I did. I called the big West on Todd Rogers, Mm -hmm. uh, Cal Poly went against Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I wound up fifth pair 
uh, the last team playing 19 up game three, you know, game three to 15. Right. So, man, these, these, it was so exciting. It was right. just like, it's like the best thing that happened to me that didn't happen to me. Yeah. Like, well, Todd, too. I just, you just yeah. got a feel for Todd every time yeah. I see him in the, in, in the San Luis Obispo game. Yeah. Like, oh, man, Santa Barbara, get yeah. your act together. Get Coach, a beach team. Yeah. <laughs> you got, is what I got, you got the greatest, you got the greatest player, you know, yeah. one of the greatest players in American history. Like, just and, and give him a beach team. And the true coach. Oh, and the oh true coach. amazing. Yeah. He's I, always been that way. I'll leave, I'd like to leave volleyball at this, um, um, co-signing on what you just said. Even with all the lack of moving parts or where we can get better, if you look at the last, let's just call it from 2004, Olympics, the biggest volleyball stage on earth, we agree. Um, 2004, 12, uh, 16. There's been an American team in every semifinals. Well, since '84, we got five. What five medals? Oh no, 2000. We lost '84. Yeah, yeah but I mean, just saying, you got five yeah. medals. You know, yeah. it's three gold, two bronze. It's good, man. Three gold, two bronze. I mean, right. you know, we we do our thing for a very for a sport that you know is a second has been a second tier sport in this country without a pro tour that's been able to keep itself alive for more than five years at a at a at a you know. At a span, you know, and you know, it, it's 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 the players, you know, the yeah. players keep keep it going. You know, no there's doubt. I don't see an NBC sign hanging behind you right no. now. You know, I mean, nope. it's it's you you have a love of the game and you've yeah. created this opportunity for people to come in and talk yes. volleyball and and did here you, we are. We show up. Oh, we're passionate put, about. Put it. the camera on me. Did you hear that NBC? <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> don't sell out. You'll be doing basketball in a year. Like Geeter, Geeter, get back to volleyball. Oh my God! So one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, uh, and it's more—it's funny, but at the same time, it's serious. Um, of steering completely away off the cliff from volleyball, oh yeah, onto uh, what's happening in, in and out of Hollywood with uh-huh. um, Epstein. Oh, uh, found dead in his whatever. I'm I'm not gonna look down a rabbit hole and be like it wasn't a suicide or whatever. You just went from volleyball to Epstein, and you said yeah. you're not gonna go down a rabbit hole. Okay. No, here we no. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm with you, Jay. I'm you with got you. Me. I'm with you. <laughs> You're the only one with me right now. No, no, <laughs> I tell you. I mean, this, this is my daily life. No, I go, I go do a reading. I'm talking to a bunch of producers, and then I go and coach a bunch of 15 year old girls. I, I my, my whole, my whole your, life your, is like this. The cool thing that. is, your empathy allows me to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I just want to tell you where I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna. Uh, the rabbit hole is whether it was a suicide or wasn't. I'm not going there. What I wanted to go is that your your involvement in Hollywood and film and television, and the things he was involved in, and how it started the Me Too movement. Um, I know you you have a, a lot of opinions and takes on. You talking about um, Weinstein? Weinstein. Weinstein. Okay, yeah. very oh, different Weinstein. from Epstein. Yeah, no, Epstein. very different. I, sorry, Epstein's the guy with the island, right? That was the guy with like uh, yeah. That was yeah. Well, I mean, oddly enough, you know, I, I ran in both circles in the sense that, you know, when 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 I was again, this is '94, right? So '94, I overnight become I'm I'm at the top of the fashion industry. Well, Trump, that was his thing. He was always trying to get into the parties. He was always trying to get around the women, get around the the I don't know what you want to say it, um, the glitter of the fashion industry. Right. right. So a lot of, you know, a lot of what he's doing comes directly from fashion. Right. So you would, you would say there, there's two different, there's two different thoughts. Let's just look at it through the guise of entertainment and fashion. Please. Okay. 
there's guys like me at the time who would be like, okay, hey, um, Tommy Hilfiger wants you to do a campaign. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, they'll pay you X amount of money. I'm not going to do that. Why aren't you going to do it? Because it's fake. Like, what do you mean it's fake? Glad you okay. asked. Okay, <laughs> well, you know, Armani wants you to do a campaign. Okay, they're going to pay you a third of the money. I'm doing it. Well, why are you doing that? Because Armani's real. See, when I walk out of the runway in Armani, Armani designed that. And the 80-year-old seamstress, right, she sewed that to fit me perfectly. I was standing right there. That is an original Armani garment. When I go and do <clears throat> the first, actually, uh, ever um, Tommy, Hill, Tommy Hilfiger show, okay. um, hey, Jason, you know, we'll pay you extra to be the first one out. Cool. All right. I'm walking out on the runway, and the dude is cutting the Levi tags out of the jeans. Come on. Before I step on the runway. Uh, they didn't even care enough that it was all fake to cut the tags out, okay? And then you got a company that's being bankrolled by Samsung, right? Zayabatsu for all intents and purposes. And it's a, it's a marketing job. That stuff is all getting, you know, made in factories and no, no one cares. They didn't even make it, they didn't design it. They're just ripping off everybody's designs. And it's gonna become a, you know, a billion dollar brand. Well. That's what T Money's about. T Money's about it doesn't matter where this comes from or what it really is, as long as I can convince you it's something else. Hmm. Right. And so it's it it that's kind of what fashion became a lot of, especially with licensing, right? So then you'd have like like Calvin Klein. That's when you started having all these different labels. Like so there would be like, let's say Ralph Lauren purple label. Okay, Ralph is designing that. You're in there and he's designing it and you're, you're in the fittings in purple, right? When you go to the store and buy regular polo now, that's been licensed out. So most of them, most of them like Calvin Klein and all these guys, you know, and again, these are guys I'm working with personally. They, by that time, and this was mid nineties to late nineties owned less of their company than a hedge fund might, or, you know, some other licensing entity, but it was basically hedge funds that were, they were owning all these brands. Right. It wasn't really the person doing the work, right? Okay. So, and that's where the shift of the, the power. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, because and it was all about the money, right? So it's all about the money. You you can make a ton of money fooling people that this really means something by hiring the right people and giving the right look and in 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 the right sound bites and yeah. and saying saying the right things. You know, you you can make a lot of a lot of money and all yeah. the pay for play with the magazines and stuff like that. Um, brand does that. Well, you know, that's, that's different people's different takes on different, on what it is to be a brand. Romeo Gigli would never do that. He never no. even advertised, which is why he would never make the big Vogues or stuff like that. He was like, I'm not going to pay for play. I'm not going to pay for play, you know, and you have different versions of that. You have people that do it one way for a while and then they sell out, say Donna Karen or whatever, you know, yeah. and that's all good. It's all whatever you want to do, but let's recognize it for what it is. Right. So at that time, doing all these parties and that that group was around all those guys, all this stuff that even that's happened with some of the big, big hip hop names. I don't even want to say the names and all the stuff about the rapes and all this kind of stuff. It's all we true. All, it's all, all true, do. man. Yeah. It's all 100% true. These dudes weren't even let in to certain levels of, of party. You're not going to, you're not going to walk in and, and 
grab Naomi like that, you're not going to do it. No, you, you can do it. You know, you know, you're, you're messing around with these little low level, whatever, you know, I mean, you know, and you know, when, okay. So you, you got a, you got a woman that she's got the same visa as Kate Moss. The girl never made over a hundred grand. She's got, she's in America on the same visa as, as a multimillionaire as Kate Moss as L as Naomi and she's on the same visa no dude that's a racket they used to sell visas through the they used to use fashion right and that's what these people use clearing houses for visas right because you could it was it's just what people did and then certain people started hosting basically hostess agencies off that right and and that's where he came into play in the White House yeah yeah I mean for sure yeah I mean that, that that was that was rampant in New York right you know, Weinstein's a different dude, man, because it's like even in even in this comedy. So I, I wrote, produced, directed my first uh, comedy pilot, right? And we talk about this because the first one I wrote, I wrote this in 2016, and this was a story that I was basing on a story of one of my girlfriends, who's a very, very, very well-known actress, but an actress who sometimes would play the game. You know, um, and by the game, I mean, it's like you're in a business, you have your assets. One of them is that everybody would love to sleep with you and they play that game. Right. Some women don't at all. Right. They're like, not at all. Not not at all. Not at all. Right. And they're just as famous. Right. Just different people, different personalities. And so I wrote this thing about a, a woman who was an actress that was kind of on the line, right? She had a relationship with a guy who was at, who was the head of a studio. And then she didn't want the relationship to continue. And the guy out of spite goes, okay, well, you know, your, 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 your next three movies are going to Miley now. Right. And so that was that it was something in the middle, which, you know, is true life happening somewhere. Right. For sure. And, and so we talked about this, this thing, well, we didn't shoot it in 2017. In 2017, this storyline broke all over the world. This, that's when Weinstein broke. Everybody knows it's been going on, yeah, right? It's a dirty so secret. everybody yeah. knows it's been going on, and everybody knows that some people are playing the game, and some people are, are victimized by, the, by what, they, what, this, what these, these types of guys are doing. And, it, and it, it, you know, it's gone on in the fashion world, too, not as, not as quite a high profile, but guys that I worked several times for, like Bruce Weber, um, who I, I, I love, um, he's in court right now on X number of sexual harassment cases. Bruce Weber is a guy that I reached out to and said, hey, man, you know, what's going on? Like, do you, do you need help? Like, do you need someone to talk on, on your behalf? Um, because I've seen the way that's gone down sometimes. A few times. Mm-hmm. And I've also been in the room when the guys who are kind of halfway engaging in that are talking amongst ourselves. <laughs> right? Jeez. Right? And how they're going to play this dude who is gay with a wife and a kid. Right? And sure. going to play upon his emotions. Right? And keep this gig going. For how long? To, to, to I, I, you know, how many? Yeah. I, I've seen it all. And because I was an athlete, right, and didn't know anything about, even though I was born and raised in L.A., I didn't know anything about the entertainment. All this was coming as shock to me. Yeah. Like, people back then, they were like, Jason, you never talked. Like, we thought you were so stuck up. I was in awe. Yeah. I was in shock and awe for years and years. It, was, it wasn't until later I, be, 
I, I, when I finally got over all the shock and awe that I found myself as a person and, and could talk and be, yeah. you know, have be fun, fun and go out, you know, yeah. people who know me now, know like, J.O. now, like they would mammal. never understand, yeah. Yeah. like, who I was when I was 20 years old, okay? Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, having all that thrown at you and, and seeing it and never saying a word, just being a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. And also having to interact with it personally, for me personally, like I was raised in a household where my mother uh, worked for LARF and Planned Parenthood, okay? The balloons for my 13th birthday were condoms filled with helium because she wanted all my guy friends to understand what time it was, okay? So I grew up like a very open, you know, there's nothing wrong with the human body type thing. No. So when, when a guy would come to me and be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach down your pants to make sure that these underpants fit. I mean, like, no, man, I'm good. No, nah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it nah, didn't, you it didn't become a, it didn't become yeah. a thing to me where, listen, hey, I get it. You like guys. That's fine. Yeah. I like women. Yeah. That's fine. There are other options. These I are my underwear <laughs> and you're not going to touch them. <laughs> That's as far as it went. I didn't. My person, and this is not to put anybody down or to say this is a right or wrong way. I'm just saying my personal thing was, I'm not going to judge you. No. I'm not going to do that. Now, listen, when I was working, like, I'll never forget Bruce, okay? Here's a Bruce, okay? Uh-huh. Bruce is safe. Bruce is, you know, Jason, come over here. Put, put his arm around my shoulder, you know, massaging my shoulder. How you doing, Bruce? <laughs> I'd put my hand around his shoulder. I'd massage his shoulder. Like I don't that. have any problem with yeah. the fact that, He's gay. Maybe he doesn't want the rest of the world to know. That's cool. But you've never seen him shoot a guy that didn't look like a marble statue at a Mike, you know, like a Michelangelo. That's Abercrombie and Fitch. At the time, yeah. we were shooting Banana Republic. Okay. Okay. Banana Republic. They they is that say in New York. This listen. I'm in. I'm in. This is okay. I'm in Hawaii. Okay. okay? I get called to the 80s office. They're like, you got cleared by the NCA. I'm like, cool. I get up to leave. No, no, no. Puts me on the phone. You're on a you're on a flight. I'll, I'll see you at 5 a.m. in L.A. I'm like, where am I going? It's my my agent at the time. You're going to New York to shoot with Bruce Weber. It's the number one campaign in the world. Who's Bruce Weber? I'll bring <laughs> I'll bring a book. Yeah. I'll meet you at the airport. Integrate your okay. Brain. Yeah. I show up. The dude's got a book. It's like three inches thick. Okay. Like I'm I'm studying fine art photography. Right. This dude's got a book. I've never seen a photo book. My dad's born in 1929 in Kentucky, okay? My, 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 my mom's white. My dad's black. My dad's black from Kentucky. is conservative, church-going people for the most part, right? And my agent's gay, and he he's, brings out this book, and every picture is one homoerotic photo after another. My dad's like, what's this? You know, and I'm like, I'm already in L.A. Yeah. I'm Come ready on. to get on the flight to New York. Yeah. And he's like, ah, and he goes, well... How much, how much do you get paid to do this? And he goes, oh, well, um, uh, $10,000 a day. He goes, oh, yeah, he can do it. Closes yeah, the book in hand. Because my dad, my dad was born at the end of the Depression, okay? Yeah. He was like, okay, he can go do it. Okay. Uh, my mom, much more open, you know, hippie kind of that whole cool. thing, right? So oh, those so are two sides. Oh, so those are two sides. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So these right, are the cool. two sides. These are two sides, right? So I go there, and, and this is where my relationship with 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 
with Bruce in particular starts. Okay, so this particular time, a few years later, puts the hand around his shoulder. Put my, now, I've worked with him a few times. We have a wonderful relationship. I know he's gay. He knows I'm not gay. I can still love you. I can still put my hand yeah. around each other. You know, we can, we can hug and kiss when we see each other. That's all cool, yeah. right? And he goes, Jason, listen, I'm thinking I'll, I like, want you to do this. And I'm like, Bruce, we're shooting Versace. <laughs> He goes, listen, listen, listen. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes I know. And, and, and listen, there are a, a, a string of unbelievable museum quality nudes that are part of the of Versace's the campaigns, particularly with Mark Schenkenberg. Okay. So I'm kind of giving him shit. I mean, you know, you know, at the time I'm ripped, like, you know, this is, you know, I'm, you know, got this like Olympiad body yeah. and the whole thing. And and he goes, I'm like, he goes, no, I know, but I was thinking um, you and Stephanie Seymour. <laughs> and I look at him and I go, <laughs> let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's not like tomorrow. No. Stephanie, it's just like... Stephanie is right there. Stephanie, we're, we're shooting out on the water, so. okay? And Stephanie's sitting right there. Okay, this is right when November rained. She had just married Axel Rose, oh, the whole thing. Okay. My God. So then Sony goes, but I want you to I want you to uh, meet somebody first. And this person can corroborate this story. He yeah. goes, come over here. He's from Hawaii too. And I go, um, okay. Now I walk over, this good looking blonde dude sitting down by the water by himself. And um uh, I think he was even in a Versace like trench coat, felt trench coat jacket, looking jeek, you know. And I sit there. Well, now you got these two guys, and I can tell he's an athlete, dude. I don't know what he does, but this dude's ripped. And I'm sitting there, so you know we aren't talking to each other. No, we're just sitting there. And a couple of minutes go by. I go, so what do you do? No, mm, surfer. <laughs> oh, cool. How do you in this? Uh, I don't know, man. It's called just, just lucky, I guess. And, and Bruce would do that. He would take guys that were weren't nest, quote unquote models, and after yeah. you work with them, all of a sudden you're a big model. But he would turn you. Yeah, he so he goes, uh, "I'm like, cool. What do you do? I play volleyball. Where? Hawaii. Oh, I live in Hawaii. Oh, you're a surfer from Hawaii? He goes, yeah. What's your name? Laird Hamilton." fuck out of here yeah wow yeah right Come on. right right wow. right right so so this is what i mean later okay so now the first the first campaign comes out okay and banana republic refuses to run the pictures because bruce has taken me and shot me with this white israeli girl will not run a black guy and a white girl in an in their first crossover this is when they stopped being the safari company they were bought out by a um by uh i think it was was federated at the time, which is a, at the end of the day is um, private equity, right? Yeah. Buys all these companies, them, Gap, I think Macy's, and they're all part of the same company, right? And now we're just, we're going mainstream, 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 which meant they were going to rip off all the designers and hire a bunch of high, high fashion models to rebrand the whole thing, right? So, okay, won't run it. Well, I get a call when I go back to school that like, how is it that you're the, talk of the entire fashion industry because what Bruce did was he went and said, listen, if you're going to do this, if you're going to base this decision of whether you're not going to run my photos on a racial issue, hmm. this will be the last time I shoot for any of your brands. Wow. Okay. That's cool. And so, but here was the deal. They said, but we will reshoot it. Good. And so I went again <laughs> and I went to Florida 
And they shot it with a girl who actually ended up becoming a real life princess. She's on all the food shows right now, Lorraine Pascal. Lorraine Pascal. Okay. That's who I shot it with. Okay. And those ran all over the world. And also was the first time uh, an African-American guy ran in like a single ad in Vogue. Like he particularly did all this stuff mm-hmm. to be to make this statement and used me to do it. Okay. And so when this stuff started going down with him about the sexual stuff, people aren't only one thing, right? And that's, no. that's when we talk about the societal stuff, that's what we all have to remember. People are not one thing. They're not one issue. The same guy who, listen, he needs to work out this stuff. It is not as, it's not cut and dry on either, on either side, been there, seen it, done it all. But he was the only one that stood up for the first ever African-American man to appear in advertisements that were redefining, or not, I don't even even want to use that word. I want to say giving voice to what else is beautiful in the world. Yeah. And to me, and Jason, to me, that's very, very important in the sense that, um, and I think you're going to like people being judged by like a whole body of work. In this society today where you, you're, you're like, I'm like a good guy my whole life, right? I do one thing wrong. And it's crazy that the only thing highlighted is the one thing you do wrong. And then you could have someone that's a total deal and he's been an asshole all his life. He does one thing right. And that's the guy to get the ticker tape, right? So it's, it's very, very weird um, how we as humans, I don't know if it's a societal thing or if it's just a recency, uh, th- this generation of people or just how people choose to think about that stuff that, 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 um, well, it's, yeah, it is, it is, a, it, it's a sign of the times, right? And it's, you know, technological gaps can exist in different ways. And right now there's an ideological technical gap in the sense that people haven't quite caught up to what these platforms, these informational platforms mean and how, how uh, powerful they are and how they really thrive off of yellow press, right? Which was made yeah. illegal, but now there's no laws there's to no, effect, right? Not only so, no law, no fucking yeah, filter. You no, know, no, fil- no filter. Well, yeah, well the same the thing, other, right? Yeah. The laws were to yeah. create the filter. And so there is none. And and so, you know, you realize, look, look, you know, newspapers make money in times of war. They don't make time money in times of peace. You know, it's always been about sensationalism, but now you have this platform that's just completely unregulated. And it's all over the world. And now we're all connected, you know, billions and billions of people who are all connected by, you know, one finger tap away. Um, and, it, and it's hard to get a handle on and all the fakery that goes on and how people are duped and into, into thinking something's real and it's not real. Um, they also and, do a good job praying on the week. I won't say the week, but like the shelter. Like look at Antonio Brown, that man, does he re- he has to realize that if you delete a tweet, <laughs> they're still gonna know you said it. How many? You know what I'm saying? And it's one of those things where they're gonna eat. Where I think I don't know. I don't think he's an inherently bad or good guy. We're not gonna say great. Or I'm not gonna say evil. I just think uh, maybe in, maybe entitled. But it's one of those things where I'm like. They're not going to, no one's going to forgive you. You can't just tweet something and delete it. You can't, then this media, this world of technology, yeah. you can't unring a bell because no. they're unforgiving on people who we, we might consider good. Money is made on the bells. But, right? You know, you know no, but, you, no, that's but, what's going to be no, taken and used to, to sell tra- traffic. No, but the point I was trying to make is they are prepared, over prepared to trample on people who you and I might think are inherently good. I don't even think that guy's good. 
<laughs> you know, and that's and 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 that, I guess that's. I look, I look at from. Pittsburgh and they're winning, bro. That's yes. I mean, you know, when it comes down Coach to of the year. when it comes down to athletes, you Coach know, of the year. it's like you know we all have players like that. I wish you were the player I needed you to be, personality wise. I wish you were because you're so good, but it's just not worth. Dude's it. Dude's Coach of the Year. It's just not worth. It. Coach of the year. His diva. His diva left to Oakland. Yeah. Then to the Patriots, and yeah. then, then nowhere, floating right. in outer space. His his quarterback, the Roethlisberger got. Um, he's out for the entire year. Right. Le'Veon Bell sat out last year, and now is with the Jets, no less. Um, it's, defense, it's good. Jason, I, up, I, this I, team I listen, is five it's good. Four. But this is all good, right? Yeah. Because all of this stuff is forcing us to look at ourselves. The whole thing with Weinstein is that it's forcing men to look at themselves, and it's forcing us to reconsider like i know you've done it man and i have sat hours and hours just thinking about what i was raised to believe was masculine and what i was in 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 not i'm not talking about from my parents i'm talking about from uh society from movies films and all the other things that they get dumped into the algorithm that matures that's right that matures that exactly 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 because you know particularly my mom was like hey emotions are great crimes okay don't you ever 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 touch you know a woman without her you know consent yeah. and and for me it was the opposite working with all these girls like that time like i worked with you when i worked with like, with, when you with, saw with stephanie room, with weren't stephanie you doing like this? this weren't you doing this no no like like well i'm saying like <laughs> let's sure. go back to this that's why i bring that thing up with, with stephanie seymour right here yeah. i am taking these there was there was there was nothing less sexual in my entire life where you would think it would be like, Oh my God. Every time I've worked with one of these women, I'm talking about the great beauties. I mean, I'm, you know, um, Tyra, Naomi, um, Stephanie, uh, God, I mean, I, uh, Brandy, um, I just, I just filmed with actually me as the, this was awkward being the director, producer, writer, star, and executive producer in your own (laughs) sex scene with Doris Margato, who is one of the hottest, like, I mean, just most intelligent, funniest actresses ever. Like being in all these positions, there was never once where it even crossed my mind to Mm. let a finger go out of place. Sexual maturity. Right. So, that is um, when when it when it comes down to you know people talking and all these comments, it it there's there's nothing that infuriates me more because you realize what a low life you're dealing with, yeah. right? Just such a low life, yeah. right? And um, to use a position of power to get something that's so easily gotten. It's so easily gotten, man. You see what I'm getting you could, you could, that, get that, You could get that anywhere, man. You know, and so so you realize that it's it's a default of character because you can get that anywhere, man. Yeah. You know, so it, it was the fact that you wanted the power to make someone feel less than because you feel so less than. And at the end of the day, I think that's uh, power is what it's all about. It's not even about sex. Because I, I think, like you just said, you're in this scene and, and she's sexy looking and, and none of it had anything to do with sex. It's just about you cutting loose, having a good time. That, um, and bear with me on this one, that involves being sexually mature. Like there, come, there came an age in my life where 
every girl I looked at, I looked at a big pair of boobs and I'm like, oh my God, whatever. And this and then, and then at, just after a while, you recognize someone's good looking or uh, whatever that even other girls are looking. Okay. Um, and you don't want it for yourself. That's just, that's cool. And that's whatever. And that's when I think certain people evolve. And the question is, what age do people do that? Do they do that? At well, 16? listen, I, the, uh, Jason, I did it in my 20s. No, and man. Some people, I, and some people, maybe, maybe this guy, it never happened. I think it's a process. It's a process because I, I can't look back and say all my, all my, um, behavior has been perfect either no, you know i i mean we're, that's we're, and we're that's what machines, i and that's what i mean about yeah. about this thing of this thing and having such high profile people go down as they should you know of forcing you to look and reflect and going wow you know even even though that my instances where i've acted upon something that particularly now would would be seen as is even more inappropriate um because I and I and I do say that that goes both ways. Women have changed and men have changed in terms of, yeah. of what is allowable. Um, is is that you know I would say like, well, God, where did that thought even come from? Or, and I'm not talking about like relationships or sexual conduct that wasn't wanted. I'm talking about where it was wanted. But but I still looked at that woman in a particular way or perceived her in a certain way that. I go, God, why, why would I even have that thought to where, to where the relationship was not a whole relationship? It wasn't, I really wasn't so interested in who the person was. Hey, maybe she wasn't interested in who I was either. 100%. I've been on the, trust me, I've been on the abuser side too. Okay. I've been stalked. I've been, I've had those things. Okay. When you're celebrity and whatnot, maybe you're a little good looking. Those things happen to you from the other side. So I've seen it both ways, but just looking at my own self and saying like, where does this stuff come up from? And it keeps going back to objectification, right? right. Objectification of, of, of women, the language used, the images being used. And, you know, as we go forward, particularly now that I'm on the, you know, more and more and more and more on the image creation side, even when I was at, a creative director of volleyball magazine and looking at like, okay, these are my friends. They're the best players in the world. Um, and started out with something super risque with, with, with Logan Tom, right. Logan who Tom. had been in FHM who she had, she had a, you know, kind of like an imaging modeling slash whatever you want to call it career beyond volleyball yeah. outside of volleyball and, and one of the greatest, greatest players ever and going, Logan, what do you think about this? You know, I want to do something splashy. I want to do something that's going to be She's like, yeah, it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you kind of go and, and you're favorites. kind of like, you know, there, there is this line when you're creating these images that you know that other young men and other young women are going to be. And there's this line, okay, is, is can you be sexy and powerful, right? Is, is there something we found that versus gratuitous, right? And, and, and a lot of times we're seeing a lot of the gratuitous stuff and a lot of times it's forwarded by the women themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the Kardashian thing or a lot of, a lot of stuff that, you know, these, this imaging, that, that, that the way they're going about it, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there, 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 there's a really fine line that we all have, have to look at and, and be honest with ourselves about. Yeah. And there's also a fine line where someone is not knowing what they're doing, um, which it's very rare because half the time it's kind of one of those things you kind of know. I'll give you an example. I was uh, I went out to dinner with this girl in college. I was at Marymount Manhattan. Actresses, you know, actors, uh, 
dancers, you know, just, just this uh, fame type environment. It's like mm -hmm. fame except it's college kids. Well, and it's more uh -oh. open and there's and, uh, all there's a physicality yeah. to it because there's a physicality to what you're doing. Yeah. So check yeah. this out. So I go on the date with her and, um, and at the end, like, it was one of the few times, only the two times in my entire life I actually made the first move. I never made the first move because of this shit. Um, so I kissed her, right? And she didn't resist, but there was a part of me that, that she kissed me back because I felt like she was being accommodated. Like she, you know, was awkward. Oh, what the hell? This ain't so bad. I'll kiss him back. And then I did it a second time. And then like two weeks later, I just came up to her. I said, listen, I just wanted to have that conversation. I'm like, I felt like you didn't want to do it. And I did it. And if that's what happened, I'm sorry. That's my bad. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to do that. And you know what she said to me? She said, thank you so much. Right. So thank you so much. And she said, I will go out with you again. Which just kills you. Cause yeah. You're and like, cause and you're then like, oh, from God. that point on, because yeah. that was the second time. The first right. time it happened, a girl was like, nigga, you high. I want to kiss you, you know? Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> Why did you do that? Right. Why did you? Oh my, right. oh, my God. So that was the first time. The second time I did it, it was even worse because she didn't do this. She was accommodating. I said, I am, I'm lucky to have Kelly. It's hard. Uh, I, I it's had hard. an introvert. Yeah. No way to help. No way to help me and this girl should be together. She's right. an introvert um, that would never make the first move. And me, I psychologically won't. And somehow oh, we wound up together, too. Yeah. So that's just an interesting story as far as levels of thinking. It where is. in my biased mind, I'm always thinking to the guy, you fucking know better. You know, you know what you did. You know, and maybe I'm not. Maybe some people, they just got something wrong upstairs. But always in my mind, my, my it's not even recency bias. I just call it bias bias. I'm like, bro, you know what you did. Yeah, yeah. You know what you did. Yeah. Stop. Just yeah. stop, man. So, and that's where, where I come off on this right. whole wines thing. Uh, I know it, you know it, and, and, well, and he should have fucking known Well, it. yeah. And, you know, because I've been doing this, this TV, we've been dealing with this explicitly, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's comedy. And so you're allowed to go deeper in some ways. And in some ways, you really got to watch out and really, like, how is the woman responding to it? And how do you make whole characters? How do you not turn the people who are in it? into caricatures right so we've been like really, Al Franken. yeah well we've re really been dealing it dealing with it you know this mm -hmm. is going on two and a half years now and, and i mean the thing is it's is finally getting out of editing you know in the next yeah. month um and uh you you um you realize that a lot of a lot of life is gray yeah um and you know where, whereas this dude there might have been three or four that went along with it there was another you know, 10 to 20 that 100% were not. And it was, and it was just, you know, it was just this kind of um, a predator prey thing, but there is a lot in our culture, what it has come down to for me of, of realizing that it sets women up as prey and men as hunters in terms of sexual relationships. Um, and it's very dangerous and, it and, and it hit the wall, yeah. you know, and, and I'm glad that it hit the wall. It needed in, I, you know, I, I, I knew that it was bad because you could just look at the statistics. I would get in arguments. I lost girlfriends of mine that actresses, right? Very beautiful women. When I would say to them, listen, you can't just jump in a guy's car that you don't know. Or, or they would, or, you know, the thing happened with the girl with the, went passed out at the, at the fraternity and got um, taken advantage of. I'm like, you can't do that. What, what do you mean? You can't do that. They can't take advantage of me is what you should be saying. Like, no, that's not what I'm going to say. Because if you look at it and there's three rapes, there's, there's rape every three seconds. That's like saying that the sh you're going to cut your leg open, you're going to jump in the, the water in the Bahamas, and the shark shouldn't attack you because it should know that you're not a seal. That might be right. 
but that doesn't stop you from yeah. getting abused. Yeah. So, um, and there, yet, there has to be a level conversation on both sides. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, girls, protect yourself, right? right. Don't, don't put yourself in this situation. Mm-hmm. I've seen it, and, and again, from the fashion, I've seen it happen to guys. It's not a gender issue. It is, it is, it is a prey and predator issue. Yeah. And, with, and if you put yourself into an incapacitated situation, you're mm-hmm. putting yourself into a situation to be taken advantage and that's of. A real and, then, and then there's the other side, which yep. is completely separate, which is that there's diabolical just savages out inherently there. bad and, and, and they can be really successful yeah. or, or or homeless then they can be both they, that, that one has nothing to do with you yeah All right cool wow so um two minutes before we close up shop this is only supposed to be an hour but nah. come on, when we get to jason <laughs> like, together, look what happens if you actually if you want something upstairs i got i got stuff to drink over there and i actually had a, a bottle of water that was frozen i meant to give to you i, I wanted to, 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 to chill it <laughs> and it's like this big block of ice. So maybe so if you want, maybe I might be a little late in the house with them. But maybe if you want, you can go upstairs. Hey, put the camera on her for a second. Zoom in. That's just that's Jason. That's Jason's daughter, volleyball, um, new volleyball goddess. Uh, before you go, tell us about St. Bernard's and um, you guys won your see your um, your regional. Yeah, man. I mean, this is this is a wild. You know, this team was like two and eighteen last year, and a couple of the gym, a couple of the girls came in the gym when I was training the boys, which was hilarious because they were all basketball guys. And uh, actually, right now, let me add this. Long Beach State has a kid on their basketball team who's starting that could be their heaviest hitter on their volleyball team. Yeah. Let me, I'm putting it out there for everybody to understand. This yes. kid, Ramel yes. Manzel, who's starting for the Long Beach State basketball you know team right now, night, is one of the hardest hitters I have ever seen in the sport of volleyball. Yeah. And I just couldn't convince him to go knock on Alan's door. He won't do it. Alan, go grab him. He's unbelievable. Been playing volleyball since he was in sixth grade, six nine, touches 12-3, 12-4, and an arm swing that is just absolutely scary. Never played in college with a guy with on my yeah. team with a guy who hit the ball as hard as he does. Anyway, so they went and they won the league because we just set set him every single ball. But the girls would come in. I said, There's no way these girls are two and eighteen. They're 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 skilled. They, they can actually <laughs> pass. My boys can't even pass. Yeah. And we're playing in low league. We're in we're in we're in a low division. And then you got into it and realized that the, the, the it had just been a dis- dysfunctional program for several years. I think they went through three three coaches in four years or something, and there's just a lot of dysfunction. So there was a lot to clean up, and then all of a sudden they started buying in, and they went on this run and made it to semis. They lost in five, uh, yeah. a tough one, but isn't uh, it almost to go to semis, but they qualified for state. So now, you know, after two, three decades, I don't know how long it's been, but now we play our first state playoff game. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thank you. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, I got practice in an hour here. Oh, um, Jesus And Christ. so I'm it's going to be super exciting. And they've actually just two weeks ago. So I, so the first thing I did, whenever I bring a new group in, I show them something that's so far away from their ability on the first day. So first day we started doing audibles on the first day. They're like, this doesn't make sense. What are you doing? What is this isn't volleyball? Literally told me this wasn't volleyball. I said, okay. So now we just went back to audibles and now they're audibling. So I think we're going to run a free ball audible offense. I think we're going to see it show up tomorrow, which would be completely out of the world because I have a, I have at least one girl who actually could go D2 for sure. And you know, might make a D1 team. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all sophomores, you know? And uh, so it's going to be really exciting now that they've kind of bought into like, okay, this is volleyball. And for me, it's just, you know, so it's a, it's an all black volleyball team. And we haven't seen, 
you know, we haven't seen more than one black girl on a volleyball team that we've played in playoffs not in the West. yet. Not no, yet. Not you know, so no. when we play, when we play our preseason, we do because we'll go play in Carson yeah. and, and Gardena and those areas. Yeah. But so far we haven't. And so for me, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's kind of a historical thing. And we've had a lot of beautiful things, you know, happen in the gym, uh, win and loss, win and loss from, from visiting teams and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, it's yeah. been, I think, very healing to have all this stuff go in in our gym. Yeah. Chi DiMaggio, if you remember her, her and I built um, Patricia. She's Helena's friend, Rick Amon, Raphael, part of that. Group. Yeah, yeah. Her and I, I built remember Rick really well. Her, yeah. Oh, he's so fucking cool. Coolest mm-hmm. Puerto Rican ever. Mm-hmm. It's him, Amari, and the last year. Yeah. Let's go. Um, we built a program from the ground up, City Tech, and the entire team was like African American and Latino. Yeah, Puerto uh, Rican. Patrick, I mean, the Puerto Patrick, Ricans in New York. I mean, yeah, what is more is New York than San Juan. Patrick right? Dietz. Yes. Oh, okay. Dietz ended up playing, being okay. Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember um, those guys. Yeah. And, um, Flacco, Eugene. Yeah. 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 I, mean, so we, I, mean, the new, I mean, you guys. Int- I mean, I thought you guys were complete wackos when I went down to that New York. When it went urban. down, when I went down, yeah, <laughs> urban volleyball, and then and then volleyball at the park in New yeah. York, and it saved my sanity because I was like, because because you know, I look at you guys, and I was so full of prejudices, man. And, you know, in volleyball prejudices, of course. and and then you guys started playing. I was like, oh shit, these guys can play. They can play. I was like, wow. And but, uh, but, who was who was the passer? Smaller guy, really good on the beach. But, um. Elvis. 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 Oh, yeah, oh, man. Elvis. Crazy Dominican. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah man, He was king yeah. for a long time. Yeah. But um, Chi and I helped build, we built a program that was predominantly African-American. We took two great players, Eugene. Because mm-hmm. um, he ended up playing football. Middle. He ended up playing for Balmesa, who, by the way, won yes. the adult nationals oh, wow. twice. So yeah, Ulysses yeah. is heading up yep. the program. I actually yep. sat for him a little bit. Tall, really thin, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call yeah. him Flacco. Yeah, Flacco. Okay, um, yeah, that was Flacco. Yeah, so okay. we got two guys that could play, and we built the team around them. Eugene registered for classes 10 minutes before the first game. <laughs> Here's our six. So I definitely definitely appreciate doing, you know, like the diversity and, and putting that out there and and just seeing how they blend and whatever. And you're mm-hmm. doing a magnificent job. Yeah. One more plug before I gotta go. Gotta thank Alan Knight for when I first moved here, allowed me to be an evaluation coach for high performance tryouts for the US national team, mm-hmm. uh for, for the eight teams, I think yeah. like that. So big up for him because he didn't know me. He that just, dude coaches he just like on, he plays. He just went man. on cheese word, cheese oh. and someone else and like you'll like this guy. So yeah. I, I really mad respect for him for that. Yeah, just just an incredibly intense player and he mm-hmm. coaches just how he played it's so fun to watch we might have to do this in two parts because one one whole section was volleyball <laughs> and then like you said we just i just drove us both off the mahalan drive so <laughs> um listen thank you very much this is spencer isley my, my tech guest and for all of you at home watching for everybody on their ipad at starbucks for everybody on their iphone and for jason all of my guests i am jason debeus and i say love all is. <laughs> and stop. That was it. We did uh, it. That was great, man. <laughs>